Yo, yo, before this episode gets going, just a friendly reminder that the DJ Mag Top 100 voting has opened. Last year, you guys voted us in at number 77, and we could not thank you enough, but we need your support again this year. So if you think we deserve it, we're going to put the link in the description of this episode. Head over there, vote Breathe Carolina as your number one artist, and we will be in your debt forever. So yeah, with that said, enjoy the show and uh, vote Breathe Carolina. We love you guys. Thank you. Goodbye. Yes, so, yes, so, yes, so, yes. Yes, so, yes, so, yes, so, yes. Yo, what's up? Welcome to the OES podcast. Today, we've got a very special guest, Brandon, the Gins Gins Gins. welcome. He is our manager. He also manages Bass Nectar, Ellis Dream, Madeline Bailey, a bunch of people. How you doing, bro? Yeah. What's How's up? your Thanks day? for having me. You just had to drive over here from very far away. I'm here, man. Your guys' office is not in a... The best is we have to kind of act like we haven't spoken to you in a while. You know what I mean? Like, how's your day? Like, we know how your day is going. We got to catch you. up, man. It's been it's so like, long. He's like trying to get you guys to approve fucking merch design. <laughs> yeah. We're working on it. Uh, <laughs> what have you been doing today? Run us through your day so far. Oh, man. Day in the life. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 6.30, 7 a.m. Wake up. Answer emails from Europe. Deal with international touring. Um, spinning. Ooh, spinning. That's us. Plug spinning. Love you, Orn. <laughs> uh, yeah, just deal with everyone in Europe because they're finishing their day. Um, then I work my way through the through the globe and hit New York, hit people on the East Coast. Um, they're generally at lunchtime by the time I'm getting going. And then uh, work my way to all things on the West Coast and dealing with everything in between. I like that. Ooh, so. how far was the drive? Was there traffic? Uh, now you know how we feel 20, every time we get to come minutes. Down. Wasn't too That's bad. That's actually fire. Yeah, we'll Usually when that. we come down, it's like at rush hour and we're sitting in like two hours. Yeah, and we'll always like go to the wrong place by accident. Like <laughs> one time Dave directed us to the wrong fresh corn grill. That's true. There's only one, right? No, Actually, we switched it up once. We did was, West Hollywood. Uh, there, there's West Hollywood and then there's West... Westwood. 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 So yeah. He took us to Westwood and he just goes, oh, fuck am I supposed to know, man? That's not my <laughs> fault. I'm not taking zero credit for that one. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't want to take credit for it. So how'd you get going? What's like your cliff note? I know it. He knows it. But what's like the cliff note story of like, you're just a regular guy kicking back beers to being where you're at now. Kicking back beers. I don't know. What you're, I don't know what you're doing. You're just a random guy doing meth. Just, you know, doing yeah. whatever. Every day is drug dealer. Into, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Heroin's bad drug. Yeah, heroin's you know? bad, but it's yeah. profitable. <laughs> it's not that bad. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Played music growing up, played drums, uh, DJed, did corporate events, weddings. I do you play drums shows. on Instagram a lot. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to get back into it. Do you have a drum set at the house? Fuck yeah. Does your wife like it? I don't think anyone that's not playing the you know, drums likes the drum. Like, even yeah. if you're a drummer and someone else is playing drums, you're not like. Even when you're recording drums, it's annoying as fuck, oh, it's dude. so annoying. You know, we put it in the garage, but our garage is made of all wood, so it just. Is it's dead. loud as acoustically, acoustically, there's nothing. You never, you don't, you don't want to soundproof. It's you should soundproof yeah. it. But then it's, you know, then it's a studio. Yeah, so. you're like, you're like, I'm not. <laughs> I can't go too hard, man. Yeah. I can't go too hard. Okay, yeah. so you're but a drummer. Anyway, so, so drums, you play in bands. Played in bands uh, in Philly. Uh, did the touring thing in a 15 passenger for a couple of years. Uh, went to school for entertainment management to learn how not to get fucked in the music industry. Oh, nice. Um, and then so just, you, wait, you did that to. Cause you wanted to be an artist and you wanted to know like how, what not to do essentially. Right. Exactly. So I was just like, I feel like everyone gets screwed in record deals or they don't know what 
a touring deal looks like. So I was like, I'm just going to learn how not to get fucked over. And then while I was going through that, I actually learned that I enjoyed the business side just as, just as the creative side, creative side. Like I was like, I'd like to apply my knowledge in the business space to other creatives who are pursuing their goals. Oh, wow. That's so. sick. How was that? Like management entertainment school? <laughs> like what were the courses like? Like, was it like a lot of like dancing one oh one ballet? Uh, he's, like, never, he's like he's like I never uh, went, man. <laughs> Shout out Alpha Game the whole Kappa, time, man. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, I went to Drexel in Philly. Uh, I was actually the first graduate of their entertainment management program, so they were still. I was a guinea pig, so I took a lot of courses that didn't apply to me at all. But I also helped shape the program what it is now. Oh, cool. Um, so you, yeah, I mean, I took courses on touring. I took courses on venue management. I took courses on um, law, you know, music 101 law, general business law. So you get to learn kind of all angles yeah. of what a record contract looks like, what, you know, uh, stuff you'd actually have to deal with in uh, the entertainment world. And uh, it was really valuable. And actually one of my professors was a booking agent. Oh, and wow. She connected me with one of the managers at Red Light, which is how I got my job now. Damn. When you start so. at a company like Red Light, do you start are you like an intern? Are you like a low level manager? Slave. Your first yeah, are you a slave? Are you a coffee yeah. connoisseur? What do you, what do was you Red do? Red Light your first company that you went to? Um, I was, uh, I did multiple internships, but my goal once I actually got like realized I wanted to do management was for a living was uh, I hit up Red Light and kind of found my way into that company through an internship and then connected with, you know, a, man, a senior manager who became a mentor of mine and kind of helped me work through it all to become a manager. So who was your first, what was like the first big project that you got to like work on where you're like, oh shit, I mean, I'm, we're working. Here we go. Switch foot. Really? Yeah. Uh, what, what's the, I thought you were going to go switch foot. Dare to move. <laughs> That's a serious thing. Oh yeah. yeah. Meant to live. Yep. Damn. They're still it, killing it by the way. Still foot. touring. Crushing Are they on festivals. red light still? Yep. Wow. And the guy who actually hired me, Bruce Floor. Uh, still is their manager. Wow. Well, their manager so, is God. Let's be honest here. He's, <laughs> he's made a band that could have died 15 years ago. Still relevant. Yeah. And they're still selling out like the will turn doing shed tours. Like that's fucking crazy. Still killing it. Yeah. yeah. So it was pretty awesome. And coming from the East coast, like moving to California, the idea of working in like rock and surf culture was like, that was the dream. The and then obviously they're from San Diego. They're actually like, legit surfers like they ride with rod machado and all the hurley guys and i don't even know all the pros but so how do you get how do you get into the because i know you also worked on like the good charlotte project <clears throat> stuff like that how do you go from like the rock side to like starting to manage dj did you just randomly pick up a dj and you were like oh this is fun or like how did it i was a wedding dj oh okay well, i dj'd bar and bat mitzvahs for a living everybody's uh, been yeah. on here at one point worked bar mitzvah <laughs> that's yeah. that's actually a uh, you know criteria that we, we uh, required <laughs> made the cut yeah of course um so i anyway i actually did do that from like 13 to 23 um paid my bills when everyone was working at the mall i was doing that um so when electronic music kind of hit the commercial um scene it was like swedish house mafia was the kings in like 2012 2013 and uh steve angelo left Amy Thompson and uh, came over to work with Bruce Eskowitz at red light at the time. And Bruce was like, I mean, this is awesome. Let's do this, but I need help. Like I need someone young who understands the electronic music space. And this was, I want to say 2012 or 2013 at the time. And uh, might've been 2014 anyway, in that area. And uh, I just had knowledge in that space and I was helping A&R some records on the pop side. So he was like, Hey, do you want to start? And literally within like two minutes I was working going from, 
working with Switchfoot to working with Steve Angelo. Oh, wow. So that's crazy. Kind of crazy. Yeah. And then I learned so much from working, just going from zero to 100 in the dance space that I was working with the top promoters, the top record labels, you know, the top marketing companies because of Steve, because he was king of electronic music yeah, at the time, that, you know? Yeah, exactly. were, you, uh, were you scared as wild. fuck? Were you like, throw me in coach? Or were you like, fuck them? You know what I mean? Fuck yeah, were, were you like, throw me in coach? Or were you like, throw, throw me in coach? <laughs> My foot hurts, man. I can't do this right now. My foot hurts. Hey man, fake it till you make it, you know? I just uh, jumped yeah. in and pretended like I knew what the fuck I was talking about. I feel like you have saddled up. Yeah. You got to saddle up. Saddle I feel like up. the management game, you're just learning as you go. Like there's no real course like you just kind of have to just go and hope that you don't yeah you get kill somebody you get like a book of like the basic like music law and like you know venue whatever stuff but then after that it's like you have to figure the fuck out yeah it doesn't matter how you know it's constantly evolving this industry so even if you think you know everything you know today or tomorrow something new is coming out and you just have to continue for, learning so for for kids that want to know is do most you know bigger management companies do they require some sort of degree to start an internship or management position? Uh, the internships are for school credit um, and they're generally unpaid. Um, that's just kind of the music industry thing. I don't co-sign it, but it is what it is. Um, and yeah, generally you have to do it for school credit. I think if you are an independent manager and you have a big business and you want to partner with a big company, they're not looking at your like resume to see yeah. where you went to college. They're just like, well, you did a great job managing this artist, getting them to that point. So. Yeah, sounds cool. Like, let's figure out a deal. Yeah. Is that the best way to get in? Like, if you want to work for like a, a red light or a company, is the best way to like find an artist on your own, get them, get their, get the business like to a good point and being like, hey, like proof of concept, I did this? Or is it better to like go work for somebody and like build up kind of yourself? I mean, there's a, everyone will tell you a different story of how they got to where they're at. I think you have to create your own path, really. Um, it's not easy. You know, it's, uh, I want to say there's some luck involved, but I also believe that just working your ass off is going to, you know, at least wake people up to just see your passion for what you're doing. And maybe you have so much passion, but you haven't nailed a marshmallow or you haven't nailed uh, the killers yet, but you work really hard and you're smart. So like maybe you're a great asset to a team and you can be really valuable with that team, you know? Um, so I think it goes a lot of different ways. How yeah. scary is it in the beginning? Cause like in the beginning you're, it's like a commission based job and like, you're like, all right, well, I just hope that I make enough money. Like, how, like, do you have to like, did you have to have another job while having it? Or when you got hired, you're like, all right, I'm just gung ho. Yeah. I worked three jobs when I started. Oh, so wow. I was like working for a company, your brother probably knows him well, but Dolce Group. Um, they were a thing back in like Hollywood, uh, like 2010, it was all the Paris Hilton's of the world were doing that shit. So I was helping them book reservations and tables. And then I started booking talent for them for their nightclubs. Um, I was doing that. I was DJing out here. Um, and I was working at red light. So I had three jobs. God, that's gotta be, that's gotta be a tough one. Yeah. But it's about, you got to hustle, you know, yeah. if you want to do it, you just figure it out. Yeah. That's so. True. so how do you, uh, how do you like keep, how do you keep up on like, what's, what's going down? Right. Because you have so many different artists in so many different spaces. Like obviously like what's going on for bass nectar is going to be different than what's going on for us. And what's going on for fairy Corson is going to be different than what's going on with Madeline Bailey. How are you like, do you, do you have like people in play to like help you? Are you like, looking at the artists for the answers, like how are you keeping up on all the different kinds of genres and like what's like happening for like each person in like the world? Yeah, I think, I think when you get to a certain point where you guys are at, where Ferry's at, you're actually, you've all kind of made it to some extent. Like you're successful doing what you love to do. You tour the world doing that. Damn right. Crushed it. <laughs> um, 
fucking right. But at some point you start dealing with a lot of the same people. So if I'm booking a show in Los Angeles, I'm talking to the same person that would book your show that is booking Ferry Corston. Uh, Madeline Bailey falls a little bit outside of that, but a lot of things still cross over. If I'm talking to publishers about clearing a song or I'm talking to a record label about releasing a record, it's the same people that I'm talking to. And maybe it's different departments within a record label because I'm talking to pop or electronic, but right. everyone's one degree away. And I think if you just are a good person and have good relationships with people across the board that you can navigate your way through pretty easily. But for me, I like diversity. I like, you know, as much as I like electronic music, I love dub and reggae music. I love indie rock stuff. You got to get a reggae artist, man. Dude, we actually, Red Light just brought on Slightly Stupid's whole team and they're like, they just came in Red Light. So they got that. Brandon was just outside the door like, I we got that for you. Help. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> I'm slightly I'm stupid too. No, I'm just kidding. Oh yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm slightly stupid. I'm slightly stupid. <laughs> dude, those guys are probably still selling mad tickets Russian out of me. Yeah, I mean, dude, right? they, dude, they're like the string cheese incident. You know what I mean? Those guys that play. I don't know who that is. I always just see it, bro. On, dude, on, dude, they like, sell out like four nights at Red Rocks in a row. Yeah. I don't Sold even out. know what they are. They're what jam band. That? It's a jam yeah. band. Like fish. Yeah. There's no vocals. It's just dudes like. So a jam band. They just put a click on in the drummer's thing, and they just not even like. I literally don't structured with a click. I think they just like they, they they like they, they just talk about a key. Yeah, yeah. They, yo, let's just jam an E, and they're just. I think they probably have like a, yo. Let's move these key like this key scale throughout three hours, and just roll. So with people it. are going. They're not going to see the song they love. No, no, no. They're just no, going no, to no. watch them set. jam. So they do have they songs. Have a set list. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So they're not just well, jamming. Sometimes they jam. There'll they be like a jam. string cheese jam night and it's like at Red Rocks and it's just them. <laughs> string, I'm sure it's not. dipped in jam. Man. <laughs> string cheese and jam. That's their thing. That's what they do. So what do you do when you're not? Forest is like, that's like their festival, you know? It's so crazy yeah. too because it's all DJs and then I just always see the string cheese incident. They're from day one, man. Is that, do they own the festival? Uh, it kind of comes full circle. Their management, their booking agents, their partner, and it's all a parent company of the festival, and it's all one family. It's called Madison House. Shout out Jesse and Nadia. Love you guys. Dude, Jesse and Shoo. Nadia. Love them. We also do Bass Nectar stuff, too. So You got it. You work with them heavily. I actually know a little bit more about string cheese than you would think. Oof. You're like, not, not the brother. food, though. Yeah. I don't know. I just know string cheese because I have a lot of like hippie friends in Denver. They're like, dude, we're going to string cheese tonight. I'm yeah. like, I just, I don't know, man. I just it's see, man. <laughs> it sounds weird to me. They just I don't call know. Cheese or like we're hitting cheese tonight. I, I, I don't know what they call them. I would call them just string. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever go back to, we're going to Philly tomorrow. You ever go back to Philly? Is uh, Philly even hometown anymore? Do your parents all live out here now? No, they're still in Philly. I saw my parents. I was in New York last week, so I got to see them while I was there, but. I get back once a year, you know. Um, what are you excited? Are you going to get some good cheesesteaks? Well, no, 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 no. What's the most fire place to eat in Philly? Yeah, come on. Because we're, uh, are we we're talking cheesesteaks or are we just talking dude, fire just food? food. Not we're not, I'm not a cheesesteak guy. I like cheesesteaks, but I can't do cheesesteaks. It's not that Big I mistake. don't like cheesesteaks. It's that I'm just, that's not my thing. Like, I'm not like, we got to get a fucking string cheesesteak. <laughs> that's a good restaurant. String cheesesteak? Yeah. A string cheesesteak incident? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Um, Where should we go? Best food. There's a great sushi spot called Morimoto. Okay. I'm the chef Morimoto from like Food Network. Okay. He has a sushi spot in Philly. It's amazing. There's a place Budokan, which they have one in New York and other places. Um, We're looking for something that has like Jim steaks. We're big on meat. Jim's, that's a cheesesteak spot though. South uh, okay. Street. It's right by the TLA. We're looking sure for meat. Yeah, there. Yeah. Isn't wrapped in so. bread, like a steakhouse. And they got Morins. Man, did you just hit me <laughs> with the chain? All right. Anyway, fair enough. Uh, think about it. 
Yeah, let me get back to you. Okay. Let me do some enough. research. So like Budokan has amazing fillets. Yeah. Okay, Budokan, we'll go there. Yeah. I like that. So like on a on like a daily basis, like for an artist, right? Cause like you're the kind of manager which I like. Like, cause we've had a lot of managers and with my personality, it doesn't, really, it doesn't really work well. And with Dave really, it doesn't work well. Well, they just want to handle everything and they just want to do everything. And you're more of like a, you're like a coach player, right? Where you're like on the team, you're in, but you're also not just like trying to take full control of everything. Unless we ask you to, you're like, you're very much like you guys do something well. Let me like help you do it. So how do you, is it different for every artist? Is that just how you are? Like, like, is there some artists that you do a hundred percent of stuff for? Is there like, as a man, if somebody wants to get into management, what do you think the best way to like approach it is? Yeah. I mean, I've had those situations before where like you literally fabricate and manipulate the entire artist project, but I don't feel like that's the most successful route or even like with the clients I work with. Um, my job is to empower and motivate you to be the most creative version of yourselves to, which will hopefully connect with an audience. And then, People are listening to your music because they love your art. People are going to see you live because they love your show. If I just do that all for you, there's no authenticity to that. And I believe that me being the best manager I can be is to empower you to be the best artist you can be. Yeah. So sometimes that requires some more help on different areas. Sometimes you guys can run with most of it and you're looking for feedback or advice or just consultation. And, you know, I think every artist needs something different. There's strengths and weaknesses. So... You just got to find the right ebb and flow, I think, with it all and what works for you. Yeah. Everybody, it's it's funny. Like, I always think about that because, like, we're a certain way and, like, I'm sure Bass Nectar is a completely different way. So you kind of have to switch lanes, like, eight times throughout the day. Like, me and him just talk to each other and you. So, like, I'm, I'm in, like, two lanes. You know what I mean? When he says that we just talk to each other and you, he means that on, like, every aspect of life. Like, other than, <laughs> yeah. our, other than our fiancés, we don't communicate with Like, you, you as, as a manager, it's interesting because you have to just, like, legit, like, okay, I just, I have a BC call at 10. I ought to be in this lane. Then at 1030, I got a call with Bass Nectar's team. I got to fucking switch gears and, like, shift my whole vibe over here. Like, Have you ever wooked out? You ever go full wook? Or Wook yeah. Dreads? I mean, you manage thing? the king of Wooks. Down like, the K-hole? Yeah, do you ever... I mean, not even uh, down the K-hole. Do you ever just like throw a fucking... <laughs> do you ever throw like a wolf head on and just get out there? <laughs> like, Sometimes you have to be one. Can you, you know? explain what a Wook is? Yeah, can you explain what a Wook oh, is? Oh, man. It's not derogatory. That is what they're called. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't want to mess this up, you know? What would you... Oh, I don't like, know. Don't I don't know. The explanation. I, I, mean, I don't know if there's a lot of Wooks out there. It's a lifestyle, man. It's a way of being. Is it? You're like, you can't explain it, brother. Because, I mean, everyone knows like, what wooks look like, but what's their thing? You know what I mean? I mean, they're really happy people. Yeah, just love yeah. and peace and ketamine. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean. It's actually a really peaceful hippie, hippie movement. I think it, I don't want to generalize it around electronic music, but I do think there is like a gravitation towards electronic music. Um, yeah, man, it's definitely like a hippie wook lifestyle. Yeah. I saw that I, I follow this page called Wooks doing things on Instagram. Incredible, right? You follow it? Yeah, it's incredible. Dude, the guy where he has his baby on his shoulders and he wrapped his dreads around the baby so it wouldn't fall <laughs> off. And he's just like walking around the festival and the baby just tied. Wait, he's to, not holding the baby? Just no, no, no. Dreads are holding yeah, him? he has his dreads wrapped around the baby. And then he wraps them up here and they're like tied together. And he's just walking, chilling. The baby's just wrapped in his dreadlocks. Brandon's like, oh, Dread Dave? I know that guy. Yeah, baby Dave. That, yeah. We know that guy. There's also another one called Bass Neck Toe. What, yeah. what is Bass Neck Toe? 
It's another great IG that uh, Dave's following it right yeah, now. Yeah, check it out right now. It's no, sorry, my flashlight just turned on for some. Dude, mine does that reason. too all the time. Did your flashlight on your phone ever turn on? No, no, nope, don't, you don't have that issue. New, you have the new phone though. I didn't even turn it off and it went off. Fair enough. Motherfuck. So, um, so we made Brandon hire uh my fiance's sister. So that yeah. was, how's that working out? Just on that <laughs> podcast. Let's let's get that. Well, let's just really get into it. So, Becky, you, I don't know. You've been all right, but I guess now's a good time to uh, Let her break know. the news. Sorry, Beck. Yeah, sorry, Beck. <laughs> Shout out. She's been doing great, actually. Well, that's good. Uh, actually, it ties back to your point earlier of like, how do you juggle it all? Yeah. And it's like, I have a really strong team around me that helps keep me in check. And I always, you know, even when I hire a team around me, it's like, I want to empower you to be the best, even just like a band. I want, to, I want you to have the best opportunity possible to win, but also you need to help me. We're a team. So like, if you make me look good and you give me the chance to win, we're all going to win together. Right. So like we all need to help each other. It's not just, it's not just you helping me and it's not just me helping you learn and grow. Like we need each other if we want to win. It is so important because we've had managers that don't have teams before where like we were outsourcing all this like stuff. And like, it's so hard because like, let's say we want, you guys have like an art department, you guys have all these things. And it's like, if we're outsourcing every single thing, it just got to the point where it was like, okay, so we need this quick, but now I got to have a seven day discussion with this guy. So he needs, so he learns about us and what we want and all this stuff. Then we got to discuss the price. Then we got to discuss this. And then all of a sudden you're like, dude, this has been a 17 day process to get a t-shirt drawn up where it's just like, I'd rather have somebody in play that like knows what we like, knows who we are and can just kind of like build a vibe. And over time, you don't even need to like explain things anymore to them. Yeah. Well, we have a kick-ass creative team in our office too, which I know other management companies have different, you know, resources, but we've built out, I think a pretty kick-ass team that, you know, whether they're creatives, photographers, videographers, marketing, social media kind of covers everything. So it's really supplemental and that way it just, we can move faster, you know, and they are super versatile because they're working on something for you guys one day and then they're working on something for Odessa the next day. And then they're working on something for Borgor the next day. And it's like such diverse shit, but they kick ass and they allow us to move faster. And, you know, to your point, you can spend days or weeks trying to source a photographer for something or, you know, we have a team that can come in and just crush it. Right. So it, it actually helps us and it saves everyone money too in the long run, which is pretty sweet. So like what's the, like what's as a manager, like what is the, I don't even know what is like the end, like fucking goal. Like, like we're like, like not obviously today, but like down the road, you see like, okay, this is like my grand master plan. Do you, own your own company? Do you just grow at the company you're at? Like, I guess it's different for everybody, right? But like, what what is like the like the final step really, you know? I mean, my goal coming up was when I don't have to think about when I'm getting my next paycheck because I can just live comfortably and comfortably subjective, but right. that's when I felt like I made it. And it wasn't about million, whatever. No, it was me and you buying dollars. matching yeah. R8s. We're going to get R8s. Yeah, we got that. January, see out there. Um, <laughs> I'll see you out there, man. Like, that's <laughs> tight. But the fact that we can even have that conversation is, I feel like, like I feel like I made it. Like, that's sick because that's like a dream car. And right. I'm like, all right, amazing. May not even get that car. Who knows? Maybe they won't cut us a deal. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, they're going to cut us a fucking yeah. deal. Shout out Audi of Glendale. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was not a promoted. No, it wasn't a promotion uh, <laughs> at all. Ali, uh, we see you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think overall, you know, um, success is subjective. And for me, not having to think about the simple things in life. Do you have benefits in healthcare? You know, do you have a check that comes in every two weeks? Like that kind of security is amazing. Some people like the hustle of knowing like, you know, I eat what I kill, which we all do in this space. That's like commission based, but 
at the end of the day, you know, sometimes you don't get a paycheck for a month because your artist doesn't tour. Like right. say all my clients decide tomorrow, they're like, we're done. I have no income coming in. The fortunate part of working with a big company is like, there's some flow and there's some like understanding or maybe they help you find another project or you can go find another project, but you have some more security. Um, to me, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, would I have my own company at some point? Potentially, you know? Um, but I'm happy with, I want to work with good people. I want to work with people that I respect, that they respect me and that we can build something magical together and like, you know, build an audience for it. Yeah, yeah. So like, that's what's important to me and I feel like I'm doing it. So. Yeah, it is. We, we tell kids all the time, like, because kids will hit us up and be like, I want to be a manager. I want to be a videographer. I want to be a photographer. I want to be an artist, whatever. And they're like, how do you, what, what are like some key, like things you could tell, tell us or tell me. And we're always kind of just like, you know, obviously that outwork everybody, like, cause you need to work harder than everyone, blah, 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 all that stuff. But then it's also like, yo, like it's scary and it's dangerous. Cause there are months, you know, where we might make X amount of dollars each and it's amazing. But then there also might be three months where you're working on an album or you're doing whatever and you make $0. So it's really like, you have to know how to navigate like what you're doing. Right. Well, I also think you have to be smart with your business too and don't spend it before you make it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and if you make a lot of money one month, it's like, put that money away, you know, just like there's going to be months, everything ebbs and flows. So there's going to be months where you may, to your point, you may be working on an album. God forbid someone's sick or injured and you can't go on the road. Like that shit happens, you know, so be smart. I feel like that takes a lot of time too. Like when you're younger, like at least for me when starting up, like, when we would get paid like 500 bucks, I'm like, so sick, guess, I'm going to so go buy guess, so $500 jeans. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. And like look yeah. swag. Like, you know what I mean? And like that kind of patience and that like self, not training, but you know what I mean? Just like that thought process takes a long time. And it's like the biggest, most important thing about this business is literally like just being smart about your shit. Yeah, but treat yourself too. Like you, everyone works so hard, like take care of yourself once in a while too, you know? Yeah, of course, well, you got, I mean, like I said, matching our eights, man. Yeah. How do you, I have an interesting question because a lot of, we haven't really worked with like a manager before necessarily that you're not like a tough guy, but like you're strong, like in like sending emails and shit. Like you're like tough. You He's like, you're I mean? not like, strong, like in the gym, but like your word. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I'm just mean like that you, you don't like take any shit. Yeah, you, and don't it's back like, down. you don't back down and you really like dive in there. How do you navigate that situation when it comes to like, okay, how, how hard feelings, Dave? What? No, no, no. I, I love it. It's yeah. never directed at me. But he, he's right because it, <laughs> no. But how do you like? How do you? How do you deal with it when it's like okay? I can push a little harder, but now I need to pull back. Like, how do you, with, without coming off as a dick and and you know like fuck that guy. I'm not gonna work with him anymore. Hey, hey. Whoa. whoa! Look at this. Get off me. And and he did not like that question. No. Yeah. yeah. He's like he's like you're a tough guy. Get I'm a there. fucking tough. I take my it back. dog just bit bit Brandon. So it's cool. But We're how good. do you? How did you also <laughs> on top of Dave's question? How did you build? the confidence to even do that. Right. Like, like at what point were you like, okay, I've gained, like I've gained enough respect from like, Damn, I'm scene. getting cornered right now. They're just like, Brandon's no, no, because I think dick. it's impressive. No, it's amazing. <laughs> never, I would overthink you, something like that. I'd be like, Oh, you, we, we want more money. Had, we honestly, for lack of a better word before you, we only had pussies that like, wouldn't like, they would just back <laughs> down or say yes to everything. I mean, it's true. That's not, it's not yeah. wrong. They were great guys. They were good at their jobs, but an offer came in. They were like, yup. This came in, yup. If it was like, hey, should we like, can we ask about this? It was always like, we don't want to rock the boat. And you're just like, yeah, I'll rock the fucking boat. Like you'll also tell us when it's not the right time to rock the boat. So I think to Dave's question, it's like, how do you know when it is time, when it isn't time? Yeah, I mean, anyone I work with, and even on our first meeting, the first time I met you guys, I said- At a Starbucks? Yep. In Culver City. We wouldn't, we wouldn't come to the office because we were still engaged in another 
uh, in another thing. <laughs> I mean, I always say I'm going to be completely transparent. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say what I'm feeling. And if I feel like I need to hold back on what I'm thinking or feeling, I can't do my job. Right. You know, and I said, we're, I'm going to have a lot of ideas. We're going to agree on a lot of stuff. We're going to disagree on a lot of stuff. And it's important for you as, or us as a team to be honest with each other, that if we don't agree on something, just say it. Like I'm not offended, Yeah. you know? And I think if you start a relationship that way, you have that candid, you know, a relationship where you can say what you're thinking or feeling without being like, man, I'm going to hurt Dave's feelings. You know, when he's like, Hey, let's just get the money later. And I'm like, no, let's get this now. And we'll figure out the rest later. Cause like, we're just approaching, we're just a team. We're working right. together. So if you understand that, happened today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, if you understand that you're on the same team working together, then you can have those open conversations. Um, some people are a little more sensitive than each other, but like, you know, I've also said to you, you send me a demo of something. And I'm like, yo, I think that part sounds like shit. Or, you know, I think this could be better. And if you're like, I love it. I'm like, great, let's go. Yeah. You know, like I'm always going to share my feelings and you may not always love it, but that's I've, be I've been that way from day one. That wasn't like a, a switch flipped where I was like confident one day and I was like, oh, let's just go for it. Like right. even when I started as an internet red light, I think part of what got me through the clutter was I was just, I had a voice. I had an opinion. I had a feel like I care about this shit. Like I love what I do. So being able to share what I care about, like um, my real feelings about things is like, if I can't do that, then why am I doing this? I was going to say, know? that's got to be super hard because I know like with us, we're always like, not with you because now we've built like a relationship, but it's, it's, we're like the kind of guys where we're like, look at each other and be like, oh, can we like tell this guy we don't like this? Or can we like tell him that we want to leave? Or can we, we always feel that way. And you have to do that every day, multiple times a day to people that you don't even have relate. Like you might have relationships with someone, but some yeah. of them you just have to be like, I don't even know you. And I need to tell you that I don't like this or this doesn't work for me. And I just need to be straight up with you because you can't sugarcoat and, it. You just got to get to the point. Honestly, right? my question was more towards even like, I mean, that was great info. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> my question was more towards like, you know, when a promoter hits you up and they have this offer and you're like, no, we want more. And they're like, no, we'll do this. Like, no, I want more. Like that's, that's that to me, that's so crazy. Cause like, I would just be like, I don't know how to navigate that. I don't know how to keep pressing this guy before he just pulls the offer completely. Or do you, you know how to like test the waters well? And I think that's like an impressive well, part of it. I think being educated helps yeah. you negotiate those deals. Like if you're willing to walk away, you have the leverage. Yeah. If you need something from someone else, you don't have the leverage. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, you need to know the situation. Yeah. Oh, you're back to hang out. There he is. Just one bite. <laughs> he, he goes from evil. I'll kill you to, yeah, I love you. Dude. Cutest like, little thing. You've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you have to know your limits, right? So if we're dealing with a promoter that we know ticket sales were down last time, like, you know, you hey, we need, we need to ease our way back into this and prove that we're valuable. If we're dealing with someone where we crush it last time and I know they made a lot of money, let's go push a little bit more, you know? And obviously working with our agent too, shout out Dave Gordoni, UTA. Dave yeah, Gordoni, yeah, yeah. zero emotions on this bitch. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he deals with the different talent buyers every single day. So he knows where we can push or what else is at stake. Or if, you know, there's other people online for the show in front of us that we're not going to clear stuff. Like where can we push a bit more? So everything's calculated. I want to say like, I'm never just making up shit. And I'm just like, yo, just get 10 more grand out of that. Why? I don't know. Just, we just want 10 K like, cool. Like it's always calculated. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you ever had to drop an artist? Oh yeah. How does how, that, feel? how does that situation? Yeah. You don't have to like, nah, you have yeah, to you don't, you don't go into detail. Is it like, 
Is it a hard? <laughs> I mean, you can. I'm just because you also strike me as the kind of guy like where you won't do something out of anger. Like you might be angry in a moment, but you strike me as the kind of guy who's like, all right, like even if I am gonna drop, you're not irrational. Artist, yeah, you're like I'm gonna I'm gonna take a day, think about it, and if tomorrow I still want to drop this artist, I'm going to. Like so, yeah. how does that how does that happen? Like how does that go? I guess it's probably different for everybody, but how does it? I mean, it goes back to what we were just talking about, which is being able to be honest and candid with each other and respecting the people that you work with and having a mutual respect for not only each other, but the rest of the people that you work with, whether it's other venues, other promoters, other record labels. And, you know, you have to see eye to eye as personalities. And sometimes that just doesn't happen. And when that's the case, you know, you can have a conversation about it. And if nothing changes, you're going to make the... Also, you just want to be happy doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, if you find yourself waking up and dreading a phone call from someone or dreading having to work with someone, it's probably not the right relationship. And you can do some things for money, but I've never done what I do for money. I do it because I love it, you know? Um, so for me, it's, I've never like called someone and said, fuck you, I'm firing you. Right. Like, it's never been like that. Kind of like you said, it's always been, all right, let me think about this. Um, is this the right move? Why am I doing this? What led to this point? And it's happened a couple times, you know, um, I won't mention any names of any yeah, that I used to work with, but you know, generally it's over a conversation. It's not a cold email or a, a heated conversation. It's just like, I think we're disagreeing on X, Y, and Z. And unless there's a way for us to find a future where we can agree on these things, then this may not be the best working relationship. And that's that. It did. Know? It's so true. Cause I, I feel like a lot of people that aren't in the music industry, just, they see like, what a manager or someone looks at like in like movies or TV. And it's just like the manager that like do this, do that. But it's like, it really is like a needs to be like a healthy friendship. It has to be like a healthy, like everything really, you know what yeah, I mean? And if there's tough times, don't get me wrong. Like course, not every day yeah. is a walk in the park. Well, that's but. what I mean. It's like an actual real relationship. Well, it is also like, a really weird relationship because it's like, we've had managers that we were too close of friends with. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, if we do something wrong and you tell us that we're doing it wrong or something, I like don't really respect your opinion anymore because now we're too close of friends. And then we've had managers that we're not friends with at all. And then it's like, I don't feel like I can tell you if I think you're doing something wrong. So you have to be in that perfect balance where it's like, yo, we're cool and we're friends, but I also respect you as like a work person. You know what I mean? How do you keep the, the boundary? Um, I've never really thought about it too deep into that. Like I've, yeah, just with fuck clients. your whole shit up, man. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> like, I mean, I've had clients that like we'd hang out with like multiple times a week, and like, I mean, we're best friends. Yeah. That, that yeah. that's the yeah, truth. I mean, okay, I don't respect you as on a work. We're, yeah, <laughs> we have a rare thing for yeah, sure. Yeah, but I mean, there's people like when you have a, especially a manager compared to anyone else in the industry that you would work with from an artist side is like your closest relationship is the artist and manager relationship, and you talk every day. Like every single client I work with, I talk to every day. So you do develop a pretty tight relationship and sometimes it's on a more business level. And sometimes you can just, you know, check out the shit. I saw this is hilarious. And like, you can have a more casual relationship, but come on our fucking podcast, uh, you know? Yeah. Just come hang on the pod. You know, it's all good. Um, I don't know. I've never really had that issue where I was like, we, we became too close of friends. Right. that We uh, lost respect for each yeah. other. Or anything yeah. Like we, cause we've, cause we have had it. We're like, not like lost respect, so to speak, but it was kind of just like, it became too buddy, buddy where it was just kind of like, I, I just, we, we lost that rapport of like, this is like not an authority figure, but a figure that we, like we hold at a certain point where it's like, okay, we can come to you. And if we're doing something wrong, you can tell us. Cause it was kind of like, oh, you guys are doing this. And it was like, you were fucking doing it too. Like last week with us. What are you talking right. about? You know what I mean? It, was, it yeah, just got sure. to like that weird thing. One thing I wanted to touch on was, so you have an artist called LS Dream. 
Yeah. He used to be Brills, who was also a successful artist. Yeah. But at some point, you and him were like, okay, this is working. It is successful. You are making money doing it. However, we have reached a point where we maybe should switch it up. And I don't know whose idea it was or how you guys had that. How do you like reach that point like mentally where you're like, yo, this is like making money and it's a business, but we're going to like take the risk of like, we're just going to fucking switch it up and start from, from ground zero. Like, yeah. how does that happen? Is it scary? Is it? Yeah. I mean, well, Sammy's so fucking talented. Obviously the Brills project was massive. Like he was ahead of the curve on the whole trap scene. Um, the Twonk brand was like massive, obviously. Um, and we just hit a point where it was, it felt like work, you know, it was like, it was just a gig and making records like didn't come naturally. And he wasn't like excited. Like I was like, Hey, any new music, any new music? And he's like, eh, like not writer's block, but just not inspired. Yeah, not inspired. And um, so, yeah, he started making these other records and I'd come to a studio and be like, you know, try, what are you working on? What about this? What about this? You want to do this remix? How about we try this? And uh, he started playing me some other shit. And I was like, yo, this is really fucking tight, but it doesn't really fit in the Brills lane. And I think, you know, we kind of had the foresight that the trap scene was like becoming diluted. And yeah, we were just like thinking ahead and we were like, well, what's next? And he's like, well, like, he was like, what do you think Brills is? And I was like, Brills is like the dopest house party DJ you could ever book. Right. And he's like, well, that's not me. I was like, what do you, but that's what like, when you go to a Brills show, you're going to hear mashups. Exactly. Happy, yeah. It's like, it's going to throw down. It's accessible. It's a fucking party. And he's like, yeah, but like, I have deeper meaning than that. And like what my purpose is. Right. So we were like, well, then Brills needs to like stay where it's at. Right. We don't need to like water it down, but like that needs to sit where it's at. And then let's approach something new. And when we started going on this new music, the dude cranked out, he's finishing up right now his third album in, le in less than 12 months. It's like he's inspired, he's motivated, he built something that he believes in that represents presents who he is who he is now now. And it just just it made sense. You right. know, it wasn't a we didn't have to overthink it. It was just this is what needed to happen. And is the Brills project it's not like done. He still will do that from time to time, or is he just like We're not doing any Brill shows right now. Um we don't have plans to right now. There may may come a time where he's inspired to drop some Brills records and do a brill show, but right now the focus is all LS Dream. Yeah. Sure. And that's more like, I don't even know how to like explain. It's like, what would you call it? Like spiritual base, cosmic yes. base. Yeah. You know? Wooks. Wooks. Very wook driven. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, if I, if I explain, I'm going to sound like a wook, but it's yeah. like <laughs> super spiritual, super ethereal. It's super melodic. Um, it's like heavy in yeah. a different way. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like the reses. It's like a nine inch nails EDM when I hear it. It's but very not as like, industrial. Yeah, yeah, yeah not, not as industrial. industrial, but it has like that industrial feel like where it's like, yeah. it's in the hundred to 110 BPMs, but like it's four on the floor. It's it's a cool vibe. It's definitely and Some of his new tracks like Wrecked and Expand the Universe have this like uh, hip hop feel behind it. It's kind of got this hip hop groove, which He's been really inspired by him. Well, he's like a crazy, he's him. like produced for like random people. He's like, yeah, he's done yeah. everything. He, I, I met him, you met him when he was, he was in uh, Ultraviolet Sound, Ultraviolet. I think it was called or Sick. something like that. I yeah. think it was, Wait, I think it was just it. Ultraviolet. Was yeah, it? he was doing yes. fucking, Ultraviolet Sound. dude, he was doing the robot on stage. He was like dancing on stage. He's a B-boy too. He, yeah, he yeah. produced songs for Jeffree Star. That's how I met him. <laughs> it's crazy. That's how I met Sammy. I toured the UK with Sammy. Yeah. Randomly. That's wild. Yeah, he's super talented. His wife's super talented. Like his whole circle is just filled with you know, creative, talented people. And um, so are you like worried when an artist, like obviously you heard it and it was so dope, but are you like, 
as a manager, you're like, okay, I have these many artists. And obviously you said you don't do it for the money, but you look at, you're like, I have this many artists. This is what they make. This is what they do. Are you scared when an artist that's like not dead, you know, cause I get it. If an artist, like their career is over and you're like, okay, let's switch. But if, if they're still going and you're like, yeah, this is like an artist that I, I've been like working on every day. Like we're actually like making money. It's a successful business. Are you worried as a manager? Like, okay, I guess we're going to hit pause on this thing that we've like built up and just try something completely new. I mean, it threw off my projections for a year. Yeah, that's yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's what we were talking about earlier. You know, if an artist decides to stop touring and you had X million dollars on the books and you're like, damn, well, that's a hit. But if you believe in the bigger picture, which is the artist is inspired, they're creating what they love and long-term, it's going to be even bigger and better, then that's your choice. Like you sign up for that too. Like I could have said, Sammy, I, I really get what you're doing, but like, I'm not sure I'm the dude. I don't believe in this next project where it's going to be. And I could have just wiped my hands and walk away. But I mean, this was March of last year was his first show and going into 2020, we're going to announce some big stuff in the next couple of weeks. And then going into 2020, he's going to have a bigger year than his biggest Brills year. So yeah. wow, that's exciting for me. Like, that's what I love doing. You right. know, I like building and breaking acts. Like that's, what's exciting to me. Yeah. So, so you're excited about our album. Fire. <laughs> Not as good as LS Dream, but it's it's it'll it'll get there. It's you know a different I mean? vibe. It's fire. Yeah, it is different. I was so stoked when you started sending me those records, and not to hype you on your own podcast because that's a little cheesy, but but some of the best songs I've heard in a while, and you know, I think it really combines what you guys kind of started doing and where you're at now, and just takes the best of both worlds. And that's kind of my next what I wanted to lead into to kind of like end it is like where do you see like cause you're pretty involved in the dance music space. You're you've managed so many different kinds of artists in your office is so many different kinds of artists. Like what do you think is like happening right now in like the scene and in the space? Like we had, we had Will Runzel on here and he kind of told us like his opinion. Love, that guy. Yeah. Love you Will. <laughs> Love you Will. Like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Because it's, it's, it is changing and it's like, it's turning into this thing where, you know, in 2013, it was like, Oh, you're Dutch and you put your hands up. Here's $1 million to play the show where now it's like, you have to bring something to the table. I feel like there was a time and a place where you could do that, man. And uh, 2013, 2014 was that time. I think, uh, Which, by the way, to sidestep that question, how was that fun as fuck? Because it was just kind of like, dude. there is zero pressure. If you are European and make dance music, you're going to get paid insane amounts of money. To I'm play. not going to say any names of the artists I worked with, but some of the offers we were getting for artists who never made a record was mind blowing to me. And I was this young kid getting into electronic music, fielding 25, 50, $75,000 offers. And these kids never made a record <laughs> and it was mind blowing. And I'm just like, this is fucking amazing. Like, let's go, you know? Yeah. And literally promoters were making money everywhere. Cause like EDM was huge. Bottle service was driving everything. You didn't have to sell one ticket. Right. And the clubs were always full. So they were just bringing in DJs, whoever could, you know, um, play a set or whoever had access to the dope records. Why do you think that changed? Yeah. Do you think it just became so many people were doing it or people just moved on? Like what, what like changed it really? Everything's cyclical, man. So, you know, hip hop's massive right now. There's another way of going back into rock and roll. The straight, we were talking about this earlier, like rock and roll is having a, look at what Travis Barker's doing. Look at like Warped Tour maybe is dead, but like hard ticket rock tours, man, they're still like, they're growing and growing. And I think with electronic music, people got comfortable with, uh, oh, let me just get these fees and I don't have to put the points on the board. And those days are gone and you need to, you really show your cards. You know, if you're worth 500 tickets, you're getting paid what your value is for 500 tickets. You right. know, you're not just getting a check. And um, 
I think the it's just evolving. I think that there's a lot of DJs who have a lot of opportunity, but if you can't connect with a fan base and build an audience, it's still going to be hard to tour and play shows. Like it's the same as it was 15 years ago. Right. You know? So just yeah, I, th I think like, I think like for me from the outside, because we came from a hard ticket touring base and then moved into like the dance space. And it was so weird to us. Like, cause we would go to a show and there'd be like 2000 people there. And I'd be like, Oh shit. Like this artist sold like 2000 tickets. But then you come to realize you're like, wait, nobody in here knew who this was. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it's such a we. it is a very <clears throat> weird space you know what i mean well dance music i mean nightclubs in general a lot of people go because they want to dance right a lot of people go because they want to drink and do the bottle service and be bougie and then maybe they'll discover their next favorite dj so like it's not always when you go to a rock club you're buying a ticket to go see for that artist yeah well and it's so, also event based right like it's very like like if insomniac puts a show on yeah. There's going to be X amount of people, like even if it's at the Palladium, a hard ticket venue, X amount of people are going to that show because it's like Insomniac Presents. I'm not saying yeah. everyone. So they're the brand. The yeah. promoter is the brand. Exactly, right? which is which is crazy. That doesn't exist other than like the big rock festivals. And radio stations like K-Rock. If you yeah, go to yeah, a yeah. K-Rock Presents, you're expecting a certain level of quality. Right, you know? yeah. yeah, but it is, it's such a weird and crazy thing. And I think one thing that didn't happen <laughs> with a lot of the, I mean, not to say the European guys, but like that scene is they didn't, do the things to build their story. As you were saying, like a lot of them were like, Oh, I'm just going to take the 50 K to play exchange instead of like, Oh, maybe I should like play a hard ticket show and like start building my hard ticket fan base or start interacting with fans. Like we met some of these guys, not all of them, but some of them where I was like, yo, like how do you guys interact with your fans? And they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, do you ever like DM them or do you ever like set up a Twitter chat? Are you doing meet and greets? Are you doing anything like this? And they're like, no, we don't do any of that. And it's just like, to me, it was kind of like, this inflated like rock star mentality. And now I feel a lot of them are having a really hard time because they didn't invest in their fans. And now their fans are just a number on Instagram. They're they don't not. have foundations, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Yeah. So, and that's what happened in the 2012, 2013 is like these guys just showed up and their heads got big and they were like, yeah, I got a huge audience. And then the offer started getting lower and lower and they're like, no, I'm passing on that because I'm worth more. And it's like, you're actually not. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, you're actually worth your, I'll show you your last ticket count from your last show there. This is what you're actually worth. So for me, strategically, I've been doing more backend deals than ever because if you believe in your artists and backend deals where like you maybe get a lower guarantee up front. And then if you sell X amount of tickets, then you'll make more money on the backend. And that way promoters aren't losing money because I think the game's also changed where promoters lost a lot of money. They can't afford to keep throwing money out there. Right. And they need to do, you know, smarter deals. And the ones who are throwing money out there aren't in business anymore. So we kind of set up scenarios where everyone can win together. Right. And that's been going back to like, how do you push on these deals? My strategy is create a scenario where everyone can win. Cause if the promoters yeah. make money, they're going to have you back. Right. If they lose money, they're either going to offer you a lower fee or they're just going to say pass. Yeah. And then your business goes down the drain. So you're very short-sighted. If you just want all the money up front. Right. It's all about the long-term game. It's not about yeah, the goal is to sustain like counting on, we can go to that market this year. And when you have 50 markets you can count on for the year, you're good. Yeah. I, mean, I got an email today from uh, the guys from, you were just in Chicago last weekend or, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah, the promoter wrote back, like, I fucking love those guys. I want to have them back. I'm getting a few dates for you. Like that's the response you want after a show. Not like, Oh man, I got to look at the numbers and see if it makes sense to bring. Right. Yeah. You know? And I think a big part of that too is like being a good person and being cool to be around, like having fun with the promoters saying what's up, like being super nice. Yeah. Like when we play China a lot, a lot of people 
are like, wait a minute, you guys are willing to meet a hundred people. And we're like, well, they don't have the internet. Like we have the internet. So us meeting them is the only way to make them our fans. So yeah, we'll meet every single yeah, person in here. If we absolutely. Got to um, find that time. Yeah. So I guess the last thing is if someone's trying to get into the management game or even an artist game, right? Like as of, I, I guess for both things, let's do both questions for an artist. What are you looking for? Are you looking for like a fucking rock star or are you looking for like a, the most talented or a combo of the two or, and then as far as management, if somebody wants to get into manager, what's like your best advice for that person? Oh shit. Well, looking for an artist. I mean, for me, I'm looking for someone who can captivate an audience. Um, I'm looking for someone who has that star power that when you sit in a room with them, you're like, all right, like you feel something, you know, existential in a sense. Like there's a lot of great songwriters in this world. There's a lot of talent out there. They shouldn't all necessarily be performing artists or personalities like in front of the camera. Um, so for me, you can help with the A&R process. You can help develop songs. You can find producers. But if that person doesn't have that presence and isn't willing to almost be a diplomat, like a politician in a sense, and to your point, be friends with everyone, go out and shake all the hands, like, you know, be homies across the board, like, and want to build their business out on the road and hustle. That's the most important thing for me. All the other things I feel like you can help build their brand a little bit. You can help with the music. You can help with all the other things. Um, but if they're not just a genuine good person who wants to be out there and hustling for their brand, like I can't replace that. Right. You know, yeah. um, on the management side, there's so many different personalities of managers um, and everyone has different qualities and different artists need different things. So in order to be a manager, I just think to, to your point earlier is just work the hardest, um, just outshine the others around you or try your best to in a professional way. But you know, it'll kill there's a lot of bullshit out there. There's a lot of bullshit out there. And if you're willing to work hard, keep your head down and just work through the clutter, like you'll come out on the other side in a positive way. Sick. Well, dude, that was an hour. Thank you for stopping yeah, by. Brandon Ginsburg, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. There we go. Begins. Only one dog attack. Yeah, only one. We, only he's one. never done that on the cast. He's usually chill. wonder what happened. He might take know. a poop on you, but he's never bit you. Never bit. <laughs> All right, well, on the cast. Th thank you for stopping by, my friend. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're out. Peace.